The second reading is from John chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen. Yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the word of the Lord. Welcome. Welcome to the second Sunday of Lent. Let us pray. O Lord, open our eyes to see you. Open our ears to hear you. Open our hearts to receive you. Amen. He got up that morning and took a deep breath and said to himself, I am going to find out once and for all what this Jesus person is all about. Nicodemus was a teacher, a member of the Sanhedrin, the highest judicial and legislative body of the Jews. He was well known and respected by his peers. He had his act together. But he was also a Pharisee. He was a careful man. You had to be careful if you were a Pharisee because you had promised to follow the law and all those meticulous, mind-bending regulations that had accumulated over the centuries. And he did try to follow them as best he could. And he was pretty proud that he did a pretty good job of that. 
He loved his religion, and he loved teaching his people, and he loved his God. But right now, he was unsettled. He'd been hearing a lot about this wandering Galilean. He had even stood on the edge of the crowd, close but not too close. He had heard about, maybe even seen, some of the miraculous signs that Jesus was doing. Who was this Jesus? The miracles indicated that Jesus must be sent by God. Could he possibly, maybe, perhaps, be the one sent to God, save God's chosen people? What was he to think? This man, Jesus, went about teaching with an authority, and his actions were unexplainable. Nicodemus yearned for God to come and put things right, to turn the people's hearts back to their God, a political messiah who would free Israel from its Roman oppressors. In his heart, a small spark had been ignited, and maybe hope began to grow just a little. But fear was there, too. I might be wrong. I might be crazy. What will people think? But hope must have triumphed over fear as he continued in his determination to go and speak to Jesus. This is the day. Well, maybe not the day, but sometime today, maybe after dark. So as the evening shadows thickened, he came to Jesus and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs you do apart from God. There, he had said it. Acknowledge Jesus as rabbi, teacher, one sent by God, a miracle worker. He had hardly believed that he had said it out loud, but the miracles had convinced him this man must be blessed by God. But Jesus didn't commend him or answer him the way he expected. Jesus seemed to change the subject. He seemed to answer a question that Nicodemus hadn't even voiced. Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Now, the word that Jesus used could actually mean born from above or born again. And Nicodemus was a literalist, so his brain said, born again. What is he talking about? We can only be born once. This makes no sense to me. We are the Jews, the chosen people. We are already the inheritance, inheritors of the kingdom of God. Born again? So he asked Jesus, how can anyone be born after growing old? Can one enter a second time into its mother's womb and be born? Now, Nicodemus probably knew that this was physically impossible, and he may well have asked the question with a certain amount of sarcasm. And Jesus answered him in words that were very puzzling to Nicodemus. He said, using that very truly again, which usually meant he was being quite serious, very truly, I tell you, No one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. What is born of flesh is flesh, 
and born of spirit is spirit. Now Nicodemus' mind was likely racing, trying to figure out what he was hearing. Born of, born of flesh, born of water, born of spirit, flesh giving birth to flesh, spirit giving birth to spirit. What was Jesus trying to tell him? It wasn't that Nicodemus was totally unfamiliar with the idea of rebirth. People who converted to Judaism were often thought to be reborn as new people. But he was born a Jew. He was a Pharisee, a leader, an important figure in the religious scene. Certainly, he had no need of rebirth. Jesus probably understood what he was thinking, and he said, Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you don't know from where it comes or where it goes. So it is of everyone born of the Spirit. Now the considerable intellect of Nicodemus was in high gear. Wind, spirit, I know these share the same Hebrew root, ruah, but what has this got to do with birth or rebirth? I was born a Jew, that's what counts. I have studied and kept the law, surely that's what counts. I am in control of my life. He's confusing me, what is he really talking about? And so Nicodemus blurted out, How can these things be? And when Jesus answered him, it stung him in the place of his life where he was most confident, his teaching. Jesus said, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you don't understand these things? Ouch, I'm trying to understand, said Nicodemus, or thought Nicodemus, but this is so difficult. Jesus continued to explain because he knew that Nicodemus was making a genuine attempt to understand, even though he was missing the point altogether. Jesus knew, too, that those who thought they had it all together have everything figured out are perhaps those most in need of the transforming power of the Spirit. And so Jesus continued with yet another one of those very trulys. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven the Son of Man. Then Jesus added an Old Testament reference that he knew Nicodemus would be familiar with. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him would have eternal life. And then Jesus tried to make things even clearer. He was inviting Nicodemus into a love story, a relationship with the great God of the universe, a relationship through faith in the Son, a rebirth through the power of the Holy Spirit. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him 
may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, the Gospel of John goes on to relate, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Nicodemus is not reported as saying anything else. Maybe he was speechless. Here was someone messing with his mind. What could all this possibly mean? The last few verses of chapter 3, which aren't included in today's lectionary reading, talk about living in the light or continuing in the darkness. The last verse reads, But he who does what is true comes to the light, that it may be clearly seen that his deeds have been wrought by God. Nicodemus was searching for the light of understanding. Did he find it? We aren't sure. That night after his encounter with Jesus, I like to think he went home and was deeply troubled, perplexed by what he had heard, and that he kept mulling about it for some time. Opinions vary about what happened to Nicodemus. He does appear twice more in the scriptures. In chapter 7, he defends Jesus' right to a fair hearing, and in chapter 19, he lavishly provides the spices for Jesus' burial. So I think that Nicodemus personally continued to be prodded by the Spirit of God and to eventually throw in his lot with the people of God. So where does this story take us in the Lenten season? Why did the compilers of the lectionary we follow choose to this as one of the Lenten passages? It wasn't really obvious to me at first. Now, of course, John 3, 16 and 17 are mighty words. And if your whole scripture could only contain two verses, these would be a really good choice. And you could take these two verses and reflect on them for the whole of Lent. But why this Nicodemus story? The more I thought about it, the more I could see some connections with Lent. Nicodemus wanted to know more about Jesus. Maybe he was merely curious. Maybe he needed some certainty that Jesus was who he seemed to be. We aren't sure, but we do know he was drawn to find out more about Jesus. And that, I think, is what Lent is all about, finding out more about Jesus. Nicodemus was on a journey, as we all are, from unbelief to belief in Jesus as Lord, Messiah, Savior. We are all on that pathway somewhere. If you are here today, you managed to get here despite one hour less sleep, the weather, how you are feeling, and everything else you might have been doing. So why did you come here to First Baptist Church on this, the second Sunday of Lent? What are you expecting? What do you need? Do you ever think about it? And what has this got to do with Lent? I think sometimes we get so busy, we have little time for any sort of reflection or pondering in our lives. 
I think as we travel toward the events of Easter in this Lenten season, we are given this opportunity to reflect on our lives, to take stock of what is important and what is not. We can pay attention to Lent by slowing down, creating some space for God's Spirit to work. In this Lenten pilgrimage, there are traditionally a giving up of things we no longer need, things that impede us on our journey to embrace more fully the life that Jesus offers us. Nicodemus had to give up his pride, his security, perhaps even some of his convictions in order to open himself up to this mysterious rebirth that Jesus was inviting him into. Being reborn or born again has become somewhat trivialized in our Protestant lingo, like it's a one-time event that solves everything. But belief in Jesus as Lord is not just a cerebral exercise. It's a way of living, empowered by God's Spirit, living in the kingdom of God, which is God's rule in our life and our world. We don't know how the Spirit works. As Jesus said, it's like the wind. We don't really understand it, but we see its effects. And it has been said that just like opening a window and letting in the breeze may be inconvenient if our life is carefully sorted into neat piles, so the Spirit may disrupt our carefully planned lives. There is a risk in Lent that if we make some new space for God, that he will actually show up. Certainly Nicodemus took a risk in coming to speak with Jesus. But what have we really got to lose? Unhealthy habits, fears, burdens, hateful feelings. We all have our own list. The words of Jim Elliot a missionary martyred in Ecuador in 1956, fit very well here. He says it is not foolish to give what we cannot keep, to gain what we cannot lose. My Lenten wish for us is to pay attention to the invitation to know Jesus, to reflect on the God who loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to live among us, and ultimately to die for us. He did not send Jesus to condemn us, but that we might be saved through him. God longs for each of us to grow in our faith. He nudges us to leave the comfort of the womb and come out into the light. Blessings to you as you journey toward Easter. Amen.